0: well greetings imagination connoisseurs once again it is i your duke of dope discourse your master of fun and wonder and your viceroy of verisimilitude robert meyer Burnett, coming back at you with another john campia show companion video so sit back and let me just answer all those questions that haven't yet been answered on the john campia show and hopefully you'll like what my answers are so without further ado anton Riley. Sends in a tip and says, the What If trailer just dropped coming out August 11th. Don't think you'll be doing a spoiler talk for that, but will you? I can't speak for John. Um, I think we have to wait and see about What If. I know he's not exactly as excited for it as I am. but I, And I don't know, being that it's a What If show, is it spoilers? Since it's an alternate look at, well, what if this happened in the Marvel Universe, but it didn't. So I don't know. That's going to be interesting. I, I don't know the answer to that. Brandon Visconti sends in a tip and says, Hey, bro, since you grew up in Canada, I was wondering if you ever watched the Degrassi shows or were a fan of them. I used to love Degrassi the next generation when I was in high school. Thanks, man. And keep bringing the filthy. Well, Brandon, they missed me personally. Um, I know, like, Kevin Smith was a big fan. I was a little too old, so I never got into the Degrassi shows, but I know a lot of people did and love them. Uh, Diego Magu- Mag. Diego Maguino. Hi, John and company. Love the show. Writing this out of frustration here in Peru, theaters are allowed to open. The catch is they can't sell food, which is why the only country in the region where they're still closed, which is why it's the only country in the region while they're still closed. Uh, The governor is stupid and I feel there's nothing I can do. Diego, I feel your pain. Uh, I wouldn't like to go to movie theaters. I mean, I'll, I'll go to them if there's no food being served, because in L.A. sometimes they have screenings at places like the Director's Guild of America where they don't serve, they don't have food, but I'll go anyway. But it's, it's you know, it diminishes the experience if you don't have any popcorn or soda. Come on now. Come on, people. I think in Peru they need to, uh, if you're going to open the theaters, open them all the way. Major Tom sends in a tip and says, Hey, John, initially I wasn't particularly interested in seeing Black Widow, but since Stephen Ask Clown Dorf, Stuck both of his feet in his own big stupid mouth. I think I'm going to go see it. Wasn't his career already on life support? Just saying. Well, Major Tom, yeah, I don't... I, I kind of didn't understand why did Stephen Dorff feel the need to say that. I mean, what's so funny is one of his biggest roles that he's remembered for is Deacon Frost is in a Marvel movie, just not in the MCU. And um, that was a weird thing. It was a weird thing to say. I, I didn't get it. Ryan Loner says, Jeff Cohen, who played Chunk from the Goonies has now revealed Richard Donner paid his college tuition. The guy's like an infinite onion of goodness. Yeah, you know what? I have nothing bad to say about Richard Donner. As you all know, I I did work. Well, you might not know. I worked on Free Willy, so I was in and out of the Donner offices a lot. I talked to Mr. Donner quite a bit. Uh, You couldn't not come away with him whenever you spoke to him or had any interaction without smiling. That guy, uh, what a force of nature he was. Really terrific guy. And I was happy that I could know him at least in a small way. As a production assistant on Free Willy. But still, I did get to know him a bit. He's great. And uh, it doesn't surprise me he would pay someone's college tuition. Mole Man sends in a $5 tip. Over or under 25% we see the Fantastic Four and Spidey 3 this Christmas. Since Watts is directing both. I don't think we're going to see them. But then again, you never know what's going to happen in the MCU. Because it is the Multiverse of Madness or whatever. Um, But I don't think so. I think that they're going to concentrate on... I just think it would be too much, man. I am with Doc Ock and Electro and all these people coming back, I think it would be just too much. But you never know. Um, (laughs) Alioth says, Loki Theory, what if Alioth wasn't there to keep people out of the castle, but to keep whoever in it? This person wants out, so he brings variants to the void to see if any of them can get out or get him out. Loki and Sylvie may have done that well alioth that's quite an interesting theory i could see that being the case you might be on it right there sir um well i shouldn't say sir alioth could be just about anything couldn't you be so far be it for me to uh to to hang some label on you alioth i think you're beyond sex um Ryan Lohner sends in a tip and says, I very much doubt Kang is the head of the TVA. Over its entire run, the MCU has been very good about not doing their big character reveals in a way that would be completely meaningless if you're not familiar with the comics. And at this point, that's exactly what a Kang reveal would be. And then they'd have to waste about 15 minutes of the final episode explaining why he's supposed to be a big deal. It's just not good storytelling. Well, you might be right about that, Ryan. I tend to agree with you. I think that it is probably going to be another Loki variant or something, um, which I love. Anonymous sends in a tip and says, Valentina Allegra, I'm just going to let that one lie there. Because those who know, know. Those who don't, well, you still don't. But you'll see when you find out. True Luminous sends in a tip and says, Why does a frost giant Loki need a blanket to keep warm from the cold? That made absolutely no sense in episode five. Uh, well, wasn't she cold? Uh, Sylvie was cold, right? And he had a blanket. I mean, you know, maybe he's been out of his climate, his home climate too long. But it's not a bad, not a bad point. Uh, not a bad point to make. Alex Detman sends in a tip and says, 33 and a third, seven today. Our hospital had to notify its 331st lost to covid For me as a member of our security, it was the 37th notification I had to be a part of. We do it for the safety of the staff and loved ones whose lives are changed forever. I thought I'd be numb to this feeling of Job like anguish. Oh wait, numb to this feeling. You said, it says Job. I'm thinking you're taking it down. Let me start over because this seems somber. 33 and one third, 33 and 137? Today, our hospital had to notify its 331st loss to COVID. For me as a member of our security, it was the 37th notification I had to be a part of. We do it for the safety of the staff and loved ones whose lives are changed forever. I thought I'd be numb to this feeling of the job like anguish, but watching a now widowed wife and mother lose her 43-year-old husband and her six-year-old son lose his father and hero got to me. On my break, as usual, I retired to watch your show, John, and I want you, Rob, and this amazing community I'm honored to be a part of gave me a much-needed overwhelming feeling of hope amidst loss and a fight against the dying of the light. I want to thank you, John, for creating a community that allows loners like myself to feel a part of something bigger. I believe we aren't just a community, but a family of all kinds We're able to escape into a world where we get to feel again. I wish you could feel the emotion of gratitude I hold to be a part of this awesome community. Alex, first of all, uh, both of us can't uh, express our appreciation enough that you would write us something like this. Um, You know, over the last year during COVID, a lot of people have written to me, have reached out to me and said that they appreciated both John and I continuing to stream and me also doing my own show, because it gave them a sense of normalcy in their lives, and also they were able to get through. You know, one of the things that I I feel uh, very honored and privileged to be able to do is to have something that we're all interested in this much. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror, you know, I call my own audience imagination connoisseurs. My whole life, um, I've always had science fiction, fantasy, and horror in all of its myriad forms, whether it was comics or books or movies or whatever, and it got me through the tough times. I didn't have a community, though. You know, I was reading these things on my own, and I didn't really have many people I could talk to about them. But to hear you say this, and to know we have these great communities out there of people, of viewers and and uh, fellow travelers, and we all share, we're passionate about these things, these flights of fancy that we love. Um, you know, it's great to know that we can all be here for one another. And I certainly don't take it for granted. And I want to thank you for supporting the channel, but I'm glad that you feel that you personally are supported. And just know, man, that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to support our audience and to support people like you. And, you know, don't call yourself a loner when you've got a community like this. We're happy to have you and, and we're lucky to have you. And I'm sure the people you work with are lucky for your heart and your emotional support that you clearly can provide to them. Please know, John, you go on, Alex goes on to say, please know, John, that what you do on a daily basis makes a difference for all of us. You bring enthusiasm, compassion, and contagious influence to care for one another, even in a difference of opinion. Thank you all for allowing me allowing me to be a part of this family. Well, Alex, we're very happy to have you. And uh, thanks for writing in. And I know, man, it's got to be hard. I, I lost someone I really cared about to COVID. And, um... You know, I miss them every day. It never gets easier. And I can't imagine, like you you so eloquently put it, what it's like to see families fractured in this way. Um, but they're lucky to have you, sir. Phil says, fans, since way early days of AMC, saw Black Widow and can't wait to see it again. When is a spoiler review and how do I get a question for said event posted? Keep bringing on that filthy well, I think John did a spoiler review, or maybe he hasn't done it yet. I'm not, I, I'm not sure what the proper answer to that is. I think he did one over the weekend, so maybe you got in on that. Pain 141 one of two. I know you gave up on Bad Batch, and as someone who literally watches, plays, and reads everything Star Wars puts out, I don't blame you. I gotta recommend the newest episode called Devil's Deal, because it's a Cam and Hera uh, Syndulla episode telling the story of Ryloth after the Empire began to occupy the planet. The Bad Batch makes a brief cameo in the episode, but mainly it fork fork fork, fork, fork <laughs> focuses on a young Hera. That sounds good. Yeah, I've been really it's been really hit and miss for me. The Bad Batch, I want to dig it more. I love the Hot Toys though, but I want to dig it more than I do. Tron sends in a tip and says, "Whether Space Jam's good or not, I hope LeBron is a better teammate to the Looney Tunes <laughs> than he was to the Lakers roster this past season." Oh, come on now, oh but I know what you mean. I feel your pain. Mark 2021 sends in a tip and says, Hey, John, I just had a thought. What if it is Kang we see in episode six, but any upcoming appearances like Ant-Man 3 has already happened? Remember, time isn't what it seems, so how we see the future of the MCU could be Kang's past or it during Ant-Man. Interesting. I just don't think that they would introduce such a main player like Kang with only one episode to go. It seems like it would short change the story of Loki and Sylvie, and I, I just don't think so. Don't think so. GM sends in a tip and says, my theory, one of two, is Sylvie's Nexus event was Odin and Frigga adopting the wrong child. The flashback to her being taken could be right after her adoption. She said she knew she was adopted and that child is old enough to remember being adopted. So she also barely remembers her mother. So she did not spend time with her explains why being born female wasn't her variance and makes the relationship with Loki less icky laugh out loud. That could be true. You know, I I don't see them as being, they're just aspects. I mean, there's nothing in Sylvie that is Loki. They're entirely different beings. It's just that Sylvie occupies the place of Loki in the universe that she's from. So I don't, you know, they have they share traits, but they're clearly not the same person. So I don't see that there's any problem with them getting a little bum chicka boom, boom. if they do. Or maybe they just like each other. Who knows? But that's a really interesting theory. Jerome says, Why did the ending climax of The Last of Us 2 work for you? And do you still think the story would have worked if Ellie got her revenge and or if she got a happily ever after ending with Dina? Is it Dina? Dinah? I have not played The Last of Us 2. So I can't speak to this question. Um, but maybe, you know, getting revenge... When it comes to getting revenge, I'll tell you something. There there was a James Bond movie called Free Your Eyes Only that came out in 1981. And the character of Melina Havelock, this woman, is seeking revenge for the death of her parents, the man who killed her parents. But the, James Bond says something really interesting in that movie. He says, before seeking revenge, you must first dig two graves. And I always thought that was great. So... Maybe it's best that uh, if Ellie did didn't get her revenge, Fang Blaze seventy one sends an attempt and says, "Hey John, I've seen a lot of people saying that Robert Downey Jr. unfollowed all the Marvel actors and he's not coming back for what? What is? Uh, do you think there could be any bad blood, or is this him saying he's really not coming back? You know, I think he did it because he wants to turn his social media profile not as a place." to interact with friends or family he's going to do that a different way he's going to tweet out things like causes that matter to him uh that's kind of what i understood i don't think it's any bad blood at all i don't think robert Downey jr has any bad blood towards anybody in the marvel cinematic universe uh i really don't so jean-luc solo said jean-luc solo the gray says uh if you were to take your three favorite avengers movies and call it a trilogy for me, it would be Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame. Would it make your top ten, ten trilogy list? For me, it would come in at number three behind the original Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Um. Um. That's a good question. Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame is one hell of a trilogy. I could see that happening. Uh I think probably I would I my my top trilogy would be Lord of the Rings number one, Star Wars probably number two because Lord of the Rings was obviously written as three books so they had the books to adapt. I just think they work better as a story than Return of the Jedi as a capper to the trilogy. So I would I would still I you know based on your your trilogy banking being Avengers Infinity War and Endgame as your trilogy, I would say it's up there, man. I, I I would almost I mean it's I'm sure it's sacrilege, but it's almost I think that Endgame's more successful than Return of the Jedi only because you know, we'd seen a Death Star, and Endgame has some really interesting, unexpected twists and things happening in it. So, I like that idea, though. Jerome says, Why do you think some fans interpret characters having a close relationship as them being in love with each other, even despite the characters being blood-related or having incompatible sexual orientations and believe the characters have to get together? <clears throat> Jerome, I, I'm telling you, for whatever reason, we fans, we love to ship our characters. Everyone loves to do their shipping. But I think you're right. I mean, <clears throat> I have lots of close relationships with friends of mine <laughs> that I uh, male friends and female friends that are friends. I don't feel the need to hook up with them, and uh, but it's I think as fans, you know, we like to see we like to see characters we like hook up. I just think it's something we enjoy. Spark, the producer, sends in a tip and says, "But we still didn't see King Loki." not President Loki, and it seems like he's going to be in the castle Loki and Sylvia are walking to, and Sylvie are walking to. I don't think we'll have the time to deal with King Loki and Kang and the TVA. Hope this is not rushed. Spark, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I don't think it'll be rushed. I hope it isn't, Uh, but we'll see. GQ says, Hi, Geo. I just watched Black Widow and loved the Yelena character. Do you think she will appear again in the MCU, maybe as the new Black Widow? Well, she's going to be in Hawkeye. So I definitely think we're going to see her. I think Hawkeye is going to be about her going after, going to take revenge. But then she realizes that uh, Hawkeye. Well, can you imagine what happens when Elena finds out what actually happened to Black Widow? Well, we were on the planet Vormir. Can you imagine? <laughs> wow. Felipe the Dancing Mike Loki. <laughs> oh, somebody's got to draw that picture. Felipe the Dancing Mike Loki, and send it in to John, sends in a tip and says, Loki Theory, Sylvie's Nexus event hasn't happened yet. She becomes the only Loki to win by destroying the TVA. The baddie knows this, thus trying to get rid of her at a young age. By the way, how did Ren Slayer get promoted to judge when she lost Sylvie for decades? Good question. I don't know the answer to that. That's an interesting theory, Felipe the Dancing Mike Loki. Um, I mean, we're going to find out tomorrow night at midnight so who knows I don't know but I like that idea but what happens when you destroy the TVA? Does that throw the time stream into a mad flux of some kind? I don't know Angel A sends in a tip and says hey John and crew uh, I've never missed watching a Marvel movie in a theater before and this wasn't going to be the first one so last night after almost a year and a half last time was February of last year to see Sonic I finally went back to a movie theater to see Black Widow it's As if I never left. Being back in that atmosphere amongst the fan and the movie theater-going community was amazing. And I can't wait to go back again. Stay filthy, my friends. Angel A, I felt the same way. The first movie theater I went back to was the Chinese. I went and saw um, Army of the Dead. While I didn't love the movie very much, it was great being back in that theater. I loved it. It felt great. And then I went a couple days later and saw Fast 9 with John. And that was great, too. So, I know how you feel, my friend. Powers Power sends in a tip and says, Love classic Loki's big magic scene. However, as soon as our MC Loki said, I think we're stronger than we realize," I felt my inner soccer dad rage. What the F you say? Are you sure about that? Because you forget it a lot. You're off the team. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. Uh, I like that. Uh, Top Timeshare Salesman sends in a tip and says, It's... uh, (laughs) uh, Renslayer, pruning doesn't kill you, it, uh, takes you to the end of time, Sylvie prunes herself, Renslayer, holy shit, she believed me, me of all people, damn, maybe I am the superior Loki, back to work, everyone, (laughs) pretty crazy, I know what you think, yeah, um, I thought that was pretty ballsy when Sylvie took that and pruned herself, knowing that she, it probably wasn't the end, uh, but yeah, pretty cool. William H. says, there's a bunch of talk about Kang being the villain for Loki. You think that we won't get a Kang at all? WandaVision was an arch for Wanda. Falcon, Bucky, the same. The villain not too important, so conceivable for Loki. No new baddie. I don't think there is a new baddie. I think we're going to see that it's different Loki variant. That's what I think is going to happen. I really believe that. Because the story is it's about Loki's journey. You know, becoming a different person, I think. Jaron Morris sends in a tip and says, how do you think Nick Diaz is going to do when he comes back? It looks like September he's fighting Robbie Lawler when lots of us thought it was going to be uh, Masvidal. Thoughts? Well, Jaron, I am not the guy to ask these questions to, but uh, I don't know how he's going to do. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't answer that question. Uh, but you know what? If Nick Diaz was not the, supposed to be the guy coming back, if he's an underdog, I always root for the underdog, so maybe he'll be great. Uh, Jaron Morse goes on. Uh, Give you heads up. Lots of questions I'll ask in the future will be UFC related. Laugh out loud. But do you watch The Ultimate Fighter? Would you be down for a future season of Ultimate Fighter with Amanda and Valentina as coaches? P.S. Valentina won the second fight. Uh, Jaron, again, I. It's, hey, look, without knowing what you just said or wrote. Um, I would be totally down for a future season of The Ultimate Fighter with Amanda and Valentina as coaches. That sounds great to me. Even though I don't know who Amanda and Valentina are, I certainly would like to be coached by Amanda and Valentina. Because who wouldn't be? <laughs> the 404 Universe sends in a tip and says Laugh out loud. Before you get the remote, I understand the sacred timeline. TVA clips branching timelines, but there's a difference between a timeline and a multiverse. All the clipping of your own timeline ain't going to affect the creepy hand universe and dr strange you might be right about that i think we still don't know all about how the multiverses and how the varying timelines and all those things work i think we're going to get we're going to delve a lot more into that in dr strange and the multiverse of madness i would imagine so i'm looking forward to seeing that happening mm-hmm vlad uh, Momont sends in a tip and said hey there john and company people like you are locomotives to us aspiring creatives you, Rob, and others pushing through automatically pulls us up and onward along with you. I, well, I appreciate you saying that. I can't help but proceed. Whenever you proceed, your strength becomes mine too. Thanks. Well, Vlad, you know what's funny? I've always thought that. I mean, I've, I've always thought that other people's creativity inspires me to go do something. And I'm glad you feel that way about us. I mean, if we can inspire people to do their own work, there's no greater compliment you can pay either of us. And, you know, John this year, like, well, last year, thought up doing his documentary, Movie movie trailers, a Love Story, and he just went ahead and did it. And uh, I thought it was great that he did that. That was very inspiring to me personally. Jason sends in a tip and says, Love your show. San Diego Comic-Con question, When did the convention start to change and become more focused on the big-budget movie trailers? I think it started happening around the time X-Men came out, or after, my guess, between 2000 and 2005. Uh, I think, yeah, well, I, look, it, it coincided with comic book movies becoming huge. And, you know, in the early 2000s, you had the X-Men franchise, you had Spider-Man, so you really had these large-scale comic book movies that were becoming big big hits. I mean, in my mind, Comic-Con really started to change in 1994 when Image Comics, those guys, exploded on the scene like the rock stars that they were. And that's when, like, Rob Liefeld brought his Youngblood spaceship to Comic-Con, but then the movie thing really started to take off. I mean, in the 90s, we got some movies, things like The Crow or Blade, but when when comic book movies really took off in 2000 with X-Men, things started to change. So you're right. I think between 2000 and 2005, I, I've been going to Comic-Con since 1988 and watched it change, so it's pretty neat. Seymour Butts says, Hi, John and Rob, long time viewer, first time tipper. Does Loki being actually dead in the current timeline change how far the reveals go into the further phase of the MCU movies? Um, Jackie, one more thing. Do the Is it Jackie, one more thing? Do the TVA and Loki make it to an MCU after episode six conclusion? I think so. I think the TVA is going to be there, and I think that uh, Loki is going to make it back. I think this whole thing has been setting up Loki to be reestablished as a force to be reckoned with in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's what I think. Richard Hurd sends in a tip and says, Hello, John and Rob. John, I was listening to your show, Driving to Work, the other day. When you said everything I was thinking in regards to the Stephen Dorff, Black Widow comments, I was clapping so much in the car, people probably thought I was listening to a sporting event. Yeah, there's nothing better on the show than when I'm listening to a John Campier rant. And John's rant about uh, Stephen Dorff was pretty epic. Maybe not as epic as some, but it was definitely up there in the Campia epic rant scale. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I felt like you. I mean, I wanted to give him a round of applause, but that might look funny if I was doing that live on the show. Uh, basically clapping for my boss. Well, maybe it wouldn't have, but I agree with you. Epic rant. Uh, and people did, in fact, probably think you were listening to a sporting event. Sheep hard. Sheepard says, "Just tipping because I heard another Antiguan listener write in on Wednesday's show. Been watching since your throat lozenge days. Love the show. Keep it nice and filly. Wagwan, Rob. Wagron, is that rock on? <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you, Sheepard. I appreciate that. Um, we will always keep it nice and filthy here on the John Campia show. And I'm glad you'll always be listening." Uh, BBB510 sends in a tip. Longtime fan, first time tipper. Well, and that is a fine tip you are giving us, sir. A twenty dollars tip. Thank you so much for supporting the channel in that way. I just wanted to say thank you to you, Rob and Aaron, for providing your perspectives and insights on the entertainment world. You guys make my workday shorter and fill my life with movie joy. Keep bringing on the filthy. Well, BBB510. It's, it's listeners like you, viewers like you, that make it all worthwhile, and not just because you tipped us, it's because we're kind of a family here, and it's great, I mean it would be silly to do the show if we didn't have the great audience that we have, and uh, it's very nice of you to say, I'm glad to know we make your workday shorter, and uh, I always like to bring the filthy, so thank you so much for supporting the channel. Uh, what is BB510, BBB510, BBB, is that like Tweaky on Buck Rogers? BBB510, Buck, uh, I, don't, I like that. Johnny M sends in a tip and says, Same apples with the Netflix binging model. I understand that the week, two-week model benefits your show because you have more to discuss, but I really like the all-at-once binging model, and I believe others do too. Thanks for hearing my gripes, by the way. Well, Johnny M, I'll tell you, you know what? I used to think like you. And to be honest, sometimes if a show's already available, I like to binge it. But when it's new, I kind of like the week that I spent contemplative of what's going to happen next and certainly in the youtube viewing space here we have long longer times to discuss and mull over and i think it resonates more you know we have more time to think about it so um yeah um but i i I understand where you're coming from because if i like a show like when i was binging cbs's evil i binged the whole first season and then started the second season on paramount plus and there was only three episodes i guess it was four as of last night but I'm like, damn it. And I've got to now wait. And I don't like that. Uh, Dangerous D sa- uh, says, I sent a comment about deepfake a few days ago, and you and Rob were concerned about the efficacy of putting an actor's image who passed away to use as a character in a movie. But if you remember in Star Wars Rogue One, Peter Cushing's image was CGI'd to bring Grand Moff Tark into life. So it seems Hollywood has used CGI before on people who pass like Forrest Gump. What's the difference in using a deep fake versus Hollywood CGI to bring them to life? Ooh, dangerous D, that is a very interesting question. Here's the thing. I think that bringing Peter Cushing back to life using deep fake technology to play Grand Moff Tarkin is okay because Peter Cushing already played Grand Moff Tarkin. Now, this is my own maybe maybe I'm not maybe I'm, maybe this isn't exactly I, I don't know if this makes sense, but since he already played Tarkin, bringing him back to play Tarkin, I feel honors him. But if you brought Peter Cushing to come back and play a character he'd never played before, that I think I would have a problem with. Because if he was still alive, we could have got him back to play Tarkin. But I, I kind of think it honors his memory that we have him to come back to play Tarkin as, as a CG character. They could have recast. They could have just said he hadn't taken over as the Death Star yet or somebody was waking, waiting for him to come could have you know but i i liked it i thought it was I, I thought it was a it honored him james argenta says theory in the what if poster we see spider-man in a doctor strange type cape and recent spider-man 3 toy leak we see spider-man in a doctor strange cape which could mean we could see what if characters in doctor strange 2 i also think i saw shuma gorthan what if trailer that could be it's a good question i you know it would make sense because I think what if Spider-Man were Doctor Strange? I think that could be very interesting. Uh and that it would it I I could see that happening and I would really I would really kind of think that would be cool to see Spider-Man wielding but would he be Spider-Man as Doctor Strange? I guess he would be. So he'd be both Spider-Man and Doctor Strange? I don't know. I'm I but I I, I kind of it could be cool. Jay Bling sends in a tip and says, "I do agree that it's time to bring Brian O'Connor back into the Fast Saga, but I don't necessarily think it should be one of Paul Walker's brothers to play him. The main reason they were brought in for Furious Seven was to finish Paul Walker's scenes. Bringing the character of Brian O'Connor back just needs any actor similar to Paul Walker. Off the top of my head, I was thinking either James Vanderbeek or Josh Jackson. You don't have to like them, but you see what I mean. You know what? I agree with that. I I I think they could recast his role." Um, obviously it can't be Paul Walker, and as le- unless one of his brothers is a great actor. Not that Paul Walker was necessarily the best actor in the world, but I think they've recast characters in movies before, although he's so iconic. But I, I almost think you're right. If they're going to bring Brian O'Connor back, I think they'd have to recast him. I think you're right, Jay Bling. I, I agree with you. Uh, Jay Wintz sends in a tip and says, John, I saw you had a few gripes with... Dua Lipa, but I got to say some of our biggest musicians have become amazing actors like Will Smith, Queen Latifah, Cher, Lady Gaga. I'll even put, hell, I'll even put J-Lo in the mix. She was great and out of sight. Everyone starts somewhere and she may surprise you, right? I believe that people can, musicians can act. I, Mick Jagger has been an actor. David Bowie has been an actor. I think musicians are natural performers, so I think they probably could. At I, I don't have a problem with them becoming actors. I don't. Um, yeah. So Dua Lipa, why not? Maybe he has got a big, maybe they have a big career ahead of them. Um, so you never know. She might surprise us. I think she can, she could do it. I think so. Um, it depends. I mean, it depends. Like, does she study in her off hours? Like, does she become, uh, does she become, the greatest thespian we ever saw. But, you know, all, all actors started somewhere. At one point, they weren't actors. So maybe she'll surprise us. And if she continues acting, she'll develop her skills just like anyone else. So maybe. And I just think that uh, she's a performer. So why, why not? Why not? A man from Manila says, I love the banter between Natasha and Yelena. Broke my heart seeing Yelena's face when Natasha said, you're not really my sister. Making fun of Natasha's fighting pose is nice. Talking the car about the vest with a lot of pockets has a lot of feels as well. I agree. I agree. Uh, I re- their relationship was great. I really enjoyed their relationship. Uh, it's really, really good um luke1234 sends in a tip and says with all the changes that the special editions did to the original star wars trilogy i'm still surprised no one ever removed the shadow casted by the lightsabers in the throne room battle when luke is pushing vader back before he cuts vader's hand off uh maybe not you know what you're you're right but i would think an ignited lightsaber would cast a shadow because i mean is it translucent can light shine through it It would still cast a shadow if there's light shining down, Yet a lightsaber, so I've never thought of that as a mistake. Could be, though. I could be wrong. Um, K Major, one of three. Hey, John, I am... Oh, K Major, well, thank you so very much for supporting the channel in this way. That's very nice of you. K Major says, hey, John, I am grateful for your show even more these past days. I lost my father this past Thursday, and it's been difficult. My dad is literally the reason I enjoy movies. I told you a few weeks ago the first movie-going experience I remember seeing was Cop and a Half. Wow. My favorite memory is seven-year-old me watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade three times in one day. And when he came home, all I could say was Dad, Dad, Dad! Oh, man. Return of the Jedi was our favorite Star Wars movie. I watched him cry at Schindler's List. Titanic and Moulin Rouge. Which told me Hell yeah. Dudes can cry at the movies. I watched him groan at the Star Wars prequels and cheered his favorite movie, Gladiator, all in the theater. Your dad had fine tastes, sir. I love Gladiator. Love it, love it, love it. The last movie we saw together was The Force Awakens, which he says didn't suck. I'm happy he was able to dance at my wedding. He wasn't perfect, but he was my papa. Thanks, John for all that you do. B-O-T-F. Uh, you know what? What a great what a great honor uh, about your father. My father's birthday was July 1st. He's been gone for a while now. And every July 1st that rolls around, I think about him. And if it wasn't for my dad, there was many movies that I wouldn't have seen. Because my dad would sneak me into R-rated movies. He'd buy me a ticket. Sometimes he had to buy two tickets. And he'd take me to the ticket taker. And he would walk me in phantasm dawn of the dead and then he would leave just the other day escape from New York celebrated its 40th anniversary and my dad took me and my friends to see it and it was funny when he was buying our tickets because it was rated R and we were way too young to get into an R rated movie my dad said well boys what's this movie about and I remember turning to my dad and I said I just quoted the the ad line the tagline that was on the poster I said dad it's 1997 and New York is a walled maximum security prison Breaking out is impossible. Breaking in is insane. And my dad's like, that sounds pretty good. And my dad came in and saw the movie with me and four of my friends and he loved it. He loved it. So having, having, I have so many great movie going memories with my father and uh, I'm glad you got to experience those. And uh, he's probably very lucky to have a son like you. So what a great, what a great letter to send in. And thank you so much for supporting the channel in that way. It's very nice of you to do so very much appreciated and um, what, a, what, a great, what a great thing to have shared with your dad what great memories thanks for sharing them t- with us Thanos sends in a tip and says I've always been interested in watching Infernal Affairs but never got around to it oh was looking it up to see if it's streaming and seeing that there's three movies it's true there are I own them is The Departed a remake or all th- of all three or just the first it's just a remake of the first and uh, it's a good remake of the first too." Owen Wilson, wow, sends in a tip and says, note to self, never tell Loki to go F himself because he just might do it. I see what you did there, and he might. And by the way, Sylvie's pretty hot. Who? I wouldn't blame him, would you? Um, Grizzlies send in a tip, and uh, USA Today says, uh, DirecTV will not be extending NFL Sunday tickets after the 2022 season. Uh-oh. A bidding war with streamers is about to be underway between Apple, ESPN, Amazon, Peacock, and Paramount+. Plus. Who would you prefer get the NFL streaming rights? Probably Amazon, I would, but I heard, didn't Apple get them? Uh, let's see, let me look. Uh, Apple, NFL, Sunday ticket. Let's see if it happened. Apple is in talks as of three days ago. Um... Apple reportedly wants in on the NFL Sunday ticket from three days ago. I don't know if they've got if they've made a deal, but Apple wouldn't be bad either. I was thinking Amazon just to make it easily streamable and stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting. But app, you know, either way, way Apple or Amazon. If Apple streamed it, you know, I I mean, I have Apple Plus, but if they streamed it for their computers, I'd love it. <coughs> um, Nathan says, "Hey, John." I just saw on Rob's YouTube channel that he recently did a long video telling a story about behind-the-scenes making of The Lord of the Rings since this year marks the 20th anniversary of Fellowship. In his video, he talks in detail about just how hard of a task it was to make those films, and as Rob said in the video, The Lord of the Rings was the single biggest gamble in film history. Fortunately, the gamble paid off spectacularly. The Lord of the Rings is my favorite movie, and I loved hearing this story, and I think people should check it out. If they love the movies as much as I do. Also, since Rob is your awesome co-host, I think your fans should check out Rob at his channel. <laughs> John, have you seen this video or have you heard this story from Rob himself? Thanks. Nathan, that's very nice of you to say. And I love the fact that I get to actually read this these uh, your tips. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I, did, I was part of the team that worked on the Lord of the Rings behind-the-scenes special features. I worked on them for a couple of years. I worked on Fellowship, and I worked on The Two Towers. I didn't get to work on Return of the King because I got my own company at the time. I, was, I had my own personal company, and then I worked for a DVD production facility called Curdy Pellerin, and my company was hired to do Chronicles of Narnia. So I went and did Chronicles of Narnia while they finished up Return of the King and then started working on King Kong. So I ended up actually running into my old compatriots in New Zealand, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed uh, working on those. It was a lot of fun. But yes, I um, the thing that when we were working on the discs, what we didn't get to do is talk to Bob Shea, who ran New Line, who made the decision to make all three movies at once. And I was I shared a story. Uh, it was a Rob Observations episode about Lord of the Rings last week, where I was reading about a Bob Shea interview, and he talked about why he did what he did. And he finally, it, for my for me personally, I got to finally f- hear from the horse's mouth why did Bob Shea make the decision because it was a big risk and it was very very cool so I really really enjoyed that I'm glad you liked the show that means a lot to hear that you liked it so thank you for that Nathan appreciate it Uh, Casey McNack says hey John I was just wondering now that Black Widow has finally come out what is the next movie you're looking forward to for the rest of July for me it's old man I can't wait to see that movie it looks so good by the way old is actually based on a French graphic novel as well uh, he said he, he used it as the inspiration point, but it's not a direct adaptation, but still. Uh, I think the story looks interesting, and I hope the M. Night, or the Sham Hammer, as John taught me, can deliver another solid flick. Well, Casey, the thing that gets me about movies is when there's an idea, like a, a, an idea about what the movie's about, that just strikes me as fiercely original. That strikes me as fiercely original. I cannot wait to see old. Cannot wait. Casey McNack goes on to say, Hey, John, have you ever heard or seen of the TV series Jet? Wow, I have not. It debuts on Cinemax in 2019, or debuted in Cinemax on 2019, and it looks like HBO is bringing it to HBO Max. The fact that it has Carlo Cagino and Giancarlo Esposito has me sold, so I was wondering if you ever saw this. I've not seen it. I've not even heard of it. Man, with that cast, I would love... I'll watch Giancarlo Esposito and anything he's in, uh, and Carlo Cagino, so, uh, man, that sounds... Really great. I'll watch it. That's Jet J-E-T-T. Very cool. So, Casey, thank you for that. Optimus Prime sends in a tip and says, I find it very interesting when a bad movie has excellent cinematography shot better than it deserves. What comes to mind for you when thinking of a bad movie that is extremely well shot? Two that come to mind are Kingsman 2 and Death to Smoochie. Wow. Um, For me, it's probably got to be a Rennie Harlan movie. (laughs) I think Die Hard 2 is pretty well shot, but it's not a very good movie. I know people love it. I, I don't dig it. Um, that's, that's the first thing that came to mind, but I, is it even that well shot? I don't know. I don't know. But that's what, that's what, uh, that's what, that's what I thought of. Monkey sends in a tip and says, I have a feeling that the big villain and Loki are going to be variants of Loki and Sylvie. In a different timeline, they got together and became and became too strong and evil. I could see that happening. That would be really interesting. They have to face themselves. That's always interesting story fodder. I like that idea. It could happen. Sloth is legend sends in a tip. Hey, John, in Ragnarok, Loki is told you're the god of mischief and lies, but you can be so much more. In Loki episode five, Loki says, I think we are stronger than we realize. Are we finally witnessing the beginning of Loki realizing his full potential? Probably. I think that's what's happening. If I had to guess, I would say that's exactly what's happening. Uh, Some dude says, you always say you don't walk around with random top 10 lists. So I figured I'd ask you about one that you certainly have. What are your top 10 movies of all time? Uh, Well, some dude, I'm not John. uh, I'll give you a top 10 list. But you know what? My top 10 movies change all the time. And it's, it's hard to come up with a list of top 10 movies. But I can tell you, like right now off the top of my head, some of my favorite movies are The Godfather 1 and 2. All About Eve, Almost Famous and All That Jazz, how about that, Uh, Apocalypse Now, Jaws, Empire Strikes Back, um, gosh, Wings of Desire, Seven Samurai, Amelie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Close Encounters, uh, that was just right off the top of my head, they change all the time, but there you go, um, William Powell, nice name. Laugh at me, it's a long shot. I think the man behind the TVA is a Steve Rogers variant that resulted from his actions in Endgame. All of this is well-intentioned, but doomed attempt to fix it. Any additional villains are just taking advantage. Uh, I don't think that's going to be there, because I think the problem is if they made that kind of a reveal in episode 6, I just think it would be too much. But, hey, anything's possible. But I, 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 I just don't think it is. Uh, Armando Martinez sends in a tip and says, better performance, Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight or Jeremy Renner in the Hurt Locker? Ooh. Ooh. Man, that's tough. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Jeremy Renner because Spotlight was kind of a, uh, ense- more of an ensemble, but Renner, man, Renner was killer in the Hurt Locker. Killer. Armando Martinez says, being from Tampa gives me such joy. A Super Bowl win and a Stanley Cup definitely puts us on the map. You think the Bucks can take it again the next Super Bowl? Under or over 90%? Well, I've always loved Tampa Bay, uh, only because they were an expansion team along with the Seahawks in the same year. So I've always felt a kinship to Tampa Bay. And if the Seahawks can't win, Tampa Bay should win. I'd love to see Tampa Bay do it. But you know what? They're not going to beat the Seahawks. Not this year. Nope. The Bucks got to give it up to the Seattle Seahawks. they got a tough team. Uncle Pete's coming back with the fellas. We're going to kick some ass, just so you know. The Sox sent in a tip and said, if I could have one item from any movie, it would have to be the solar surfboard from Treasure Planet. Wow, that's random, but it's not, that's not real because it's animated. You can't have anything from an animated movie because animated movies aren't real. Uh, man, that was the coolest thing ever. I'd probably die using it, but it'd be more than worth it. <laughs> it's true. You know, they actually, there's a, uh, at the end of John Carpenter's first student movie that became a feature, Dark Star, an astronaut, surfs, uses a piece of debris and surfs into the atmosphere of a planet. Uh, you probably die using it. But remember, it's not real anyway, because it's animated. Nothing animated is real. Uh, Min Tran sends in a tip and says, if Kong is able to take Godzilla to Suplex City, at least one, maybe two in the new film, would that be enough to take him down? At the very least, would you have marked out? Um, <laughs> that's funny um, no no King Kong shouldn't be able to take Godzilla down no matter where they are that's what I have to say uh, Connor M sends in a tip and says saw Black Widow not a bad film David and Florence were hilarious but one thing that stood out to me was the intro the combination of the song and the images of the girls in shipping containers and being turned into window widows was haunting it was haunting and it was an interesting way to start the movie, too, with that sequence. Because that was atypical for the Marvel Universe. I liked it a lot, though. I, I agree with you. A uh, Different take on teen spirit, man. Grizzlies sent in a tip and said, So much Slack so much slack." Hulk, Thor 2, Iron Man 2, 3. Those movies were better than Black Widow. Even their villains were better than stupid, generic villain, desk guy, and f- femme master. This wasn't a bad film, but it ranks at the bottom of all 24 films in the MCU. I don't know. I mean, I... I loved it like an espionage movie. I I, I loved that it was so Bond esque in its way. So I think I liked it more than most. Uh, Min Tran says, besides Terminator Dark Fate, what are some movie trailers you thought the music just ruined the trailer? Uh, what do we always talk about? I'm going hunting. Uh, let's, what was as bad as that? Um. Gosh, I really can't think of anything that I think ruined the trailer. What music ruined the trailer? Huh. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Usually I love the music and trailers. It's part of the appeal of the trailers. I, that's a really question. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Min Tran says, I just read an article that Manifest tied Tiger King as the second longest show on Netflix. Even though Netflix passed on a new season, is there still a good chance that there could be a continuation? Maybe not on Netflix, but like Hulu or something. Min, as you know, I'm one of the biggest. I'm one of the biggest Manifest fans. It's kind of a show. I, I didn't hate it, but I thought it was just glorious gobbledygook, and I wish it could continue. I hope they find a way to do it. Now the uh, uh, Jeff Rake, the creator, is talking about trying to reboot it or bring it back as a movie. I mean, they have to end the story and tell us what's going on if they even know, which I doubt, but, um, yeah, maybe, I mean, gosh, it seems one of the great tragedies in life is that we don't have manifest. It's, it's a bummer. What a bummer. Um, hopefully they'll bring it back. Hello, John sends in a tip. I know you haven't seen the film presumably, but over under 40% the suicide squad breaks 75 million on its opening weekend domestically. A, while, a lot will depend on its early critical reception, which I hope is great. What are your predictions and thoughts? Look, if Suicide Squad is good, if it has early critical acclaim, it's absolutely going to break 75 million. People think that that movie looks bonkers. I think it's going to be huge, and the last Suicide Squad did well. So I'm I'm I think it's going to be great. Uh, Nate Fury sends in a tip and says, Have you ever seen Kung Fury? I have. It's one of the most ultimate what-the-f movies I've ever seen. It's unbelievable that one guy did all that in his parents' basement. It's one of the craziest, coolest films I've ever seen. What do you think about it? Kung Fury is hilarious. It's very well done. Really, really clever. I recommend everybody. The less you know about it, the better. Like, don't go read reviews. If you haven't seen Kung Fury or you have don't even watch the trailer. Just go watch Kung Fury. I'm with you, Nate. Uh, it's hilarious, and it's definitely worth watching. Lexi Forbes writes, Hi, John Robb, Rob. Did you ever hear over the weekend that Matt Damon says he turned down starring in Avatar along with 10% of the profits? I read that story. Uh, what a bummer. I feel bad for him because, boy, he would have been. Not that he isn't wealthy already, but, man. I mean, what does that do when you turn something like that down? First of all, why would you turn James Cameron down for anything? I mean, everyone's always trying to bet against him. I bet the Avatar sequels are going to kick ass. I bet they do. Uh, Crashing Coyote says, What an effing card. How ironic is it that Connor said Dustin would leave on a stretcher and Connor was the one to leave on a stretcher with a broken leg? I'm calling it now Dustin beats Oliveira, then Nate versus Connor 3 happens, Connor wins, then Dustin versus Connor 4 for the title. Thoughts, John? Well, I, you know, again, Crash and Coyote, it's one of these questions I can't really answer because I, uh, I don't know anything about MMA. I know it's terrible. I should. Crash and Coyote goes on and asks another question. P.S. For MMA fans listening, if you're an MMA fan, watch Kingdom and Warrior. Well, I love both of those movies. I've seen them both, so I can say Crash and Coyote is exactly right. Both Kingdom and Warrior are great. The best TV and show and movie about MMA, in my opinion, both star Frank Grillo's coach, coaches. Ironically, John, would you consider doing a mini MMA stream one day after pay-per-views? I think that's a great idea, Crashing Coyote. I'm going to tell John to do just that. Why not? He's such an MMA fan. Uh, that's a really good idea. Surprised he isn't doing it already. Uh, Muling Quim tipped and says, Hey, John, it seems Universal has gone down the Sony route to license their P2 window to Prime Video. What does it mean for Peacock? Should they license the P1 window to another streamer as well and give up on Peacock? Does it prove Sony made the right decision? Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I, I think it's too early to tell if if these windows and streamers and movies and who gets what for how long and how they're doing it. I think it's too early to see. Um, Sony, of course, has gone with... Uh, did they go with Netflix? I think they went with Netflix um, as their first window. It's really interesting. I, I, I don't know when studios are going with people to stream from, but you know, Peacock is universal, so I, it really depends on, on how it all works out. I'm just curious to see where are we going to be at in a year or two with all of this, all of the windows, theatrical releases. I think it's too early to tell right now, but it's going to be interesting to see. I think Black Widow's great success with their Premier access, $60 million. That goes right into Disney's coffers as opposed to sharing revenue with the studio or a, a movie theater chain or something. That's, it was pretty big. Anton Riley said, went to see Black Widow, first time in a theater in 17 months. My thoughts, not bad, but not that good either. Some parts I enjoyed while others I despise. What was the point of Taskmaster? Draco was a compelling villain, kinda. I loved Alexei and Yelena. Yeah, I liked it more than most because I was looking for a Bond-esque film out of it, and that's kind of what I got. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I liked the character moments and everything, but yeah, I can. I thought Taskmaster was a bit of a letdown. I mean, I understand where they were coming from with that, but, you know, it wasn't exactly a big part of the plot. It definitely had emotional resonance, but um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Anton Riley comes back and says, What the hell is wrong with Connor? Dude breaks his leg, and then he says he's been in... Uh, Poyer's wife's DM wish him a speedy recovery but that dude needs to grow up and I don't even watch UFC (laughs) Uh, oh man you bring wives into it that's a low blow shouldn't do that Anton Riley goes on to say, I meant to tip last week, Pixar's new series Monster at Work. Oh, you're the first person I've seen say anything about this. Based on Monsters, Inc. premiered its first two episodes last week. Have you watched them? And will you watch them? Personally, I did, and I liked it so far. I'm a huge Monsters, Inc. fan. I love both movies. Uh, What is it, three movies now? Is it three movies? Uh, Can't wait to see... um, I can't wait to see the show. I I really like Monsters, Inc. Um, I love the first movie, so yeah, totally, uh, am down for that. Looking forward to it. Hey, John and Rob, besides the big names like John Williams or Hans Zimmer, who is a film composer that stands out to you anytime you hear their work or see their name attached to a film? Well, for me, Jerry Goldsmith is the goat as well as John Williams, obviously. Um, I like, um, uh, like Tangerine Dream. I used to love their scores. John Scott is a composer that doesn't get enough, uh, enough, enough love. Um, Bear McCrary is somebody new. Uh, you, he says, I personally love Clint Manziel and John Ottman, to name a few. They both are great. Clint Manziel is great. Um, but there's so many great film composers out there. Uh, I'm I'm just, I'm a fan of so many people. And that was from Chuck the Mystery. Uh, Chuck, the mystery goes on and says another interesting one for you. What is an acting performance that you feel was worthy of at least being nominated for an Oscar, but was never recognized by the Academy? For me, it would be Val Kilmer in Tombstone. Unbelievable performance. Oh man. Val Kilmer in Tombstone kicks ass. Um, Gosh, I, you know, I, I think about great performances. What about was Brad Pitt nominated for the, uh, the assassination of, what, I, I don't I don't know, by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, was he nominated for that? The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I thought he was great in that. That's something that came to mind. Willow. Willow says, The term for Loki and Sylvie having a kid would probably be selfing. It's a common method of reproductions in many plants and hermaphroditic animals. Don't think it's a good reflection on your character, though, if the only person you fall for is yourself. Yeah, but I think that Sylvie's a different being than him. They're, they might both be Lokis, but they're different people. Uh, Chuck, the mystery goes on to say, pre-pandemic production distribution talk came up. My question isn't about specific characters, but the studios that distribute them. Are financial issues the main difficulty in getting production distribution under the same roof? Or there is more in play? Whether, Look, production and distribution are totally different things. They have totally different... Making a movie is very, very different than distributing a film. Um, and they really have nothing to do with each other. So think about production as making a product, and distribution takes that product to market. There's a whole different skill set involved. Almost There's almost no overlap at all. Although I think people that organize... People that can... That's also from... By the way, Chuck the Mystery writes this in. So I think that... Um, uh, I mean... Studios have distribution entities, they produce and they distribute films, but um, they're just whole different skill sets, it's, it's a whole different, different vibe, so you have whole different teams of people that make them, so they could be under the same roof, at Warner Brothers they weren't when I worked there, uh, Jason Rodriguez sends in a tip and says, hi John, first off, I loved Black Widow. I enjoyed it on the big screen and purchased the premiere access. I normally see movies multiple times, but with COVID numbers rising, I opted to continue enjoying it at home. Is this model here to stay? I love the show. I think it is, Jason. Uh, I think it was more successful than it ever has been this week. And so I definitely think that's what we're getting. Um, Sootheus says, Florence Pugh is currently 25. Scarlett Johansson was around the same age when she started as Black Widow, with Pew being cast in Hawkeye and the MCU seemingly passing down mantles. Is it safe to say that Pew will be around for another 10 years and the MCU is a new Black Widow? I think so. We'll see where we're at, where we're at at the end of the Hawkeye series. Uh, Christopher Lye. Uh, Christopher, is it Lie or Lay? Christopher Lai, did you see Kevin Feige's recent video with Rotten Tomatoes where he breaks down the MCU's Phase 4? I was just watching it. I was struck by the passion Feige still has for the MCU and its characters, the team he works with, and all they still wish to accomplish, man. Excelsior. Christopher, that's exactly why he's so successful. He has the passion. He's flash danced his life. He took his passion and he's made it happen. Flash dance. So, yes. uh, I agree. And I think that's why he's successful. Yosef. Joseph says, uh, one of two, I'm sorry, but I got to gush over UFC 264. Everyone doubted that my boy Dustin time and time again, forgetting how many champions he beat. They overshadowed his last victory by never talking about how good his last performance was and how he keeps getting better and better each time you see him. I mean, he outboxed Connor in the first round, which never happens. He proves who you were yesterday, and he has no bearing on who you could be today. Props to Dustin, and I hope people see Connor's true colors for this. Well, I think watching him, even I know he was laid out on a stretcher with a broken leg. Probably they've all seen him now. Virtual Goal Artisan, what a cool name, says, Is Miss Scarlett Johansson Miss America Pie? Clues. When I read about his widowed bride, she's Black Widow. Now for 10 years we've been on our own. 10 years playing this character. Bye, bye Miss American Pie. Farewell playing Natasha. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Bye-bye. That's, you know what? I like that. It's Miss Johansson, Miss American Pie. Uh, when I, <laughs> That's really interesting. Now I'm going to listen to that song and only think about Black Widow. So thanks for that, virtual goal artisan. Poser sends in a tip and says, It feels good to be back in a packed theater with fans eating and drinking for my Black Widow-themed popcorn bucket. Elena was my favorite and so excited to see her back in Hawkeye. Do you think if that's successful, they'll make a Red Guardian show? I could see them bringing the Red Guardian back. I I definitely think so. And I think it'd be really interesting. Hell, I could see the Red Guardian joining the Avengers. Or maybe the Guardians of the Galaxy. You never know. Nick C says, After a very long two years, I was emotional walking back into a theater to finally watch a new Marvel movie. When the Marvel Studios intro showed a roar of cheers erupted from the crowd, and I thought to myself... This is why movie theaters are irreplaceable. Nick C, my man. I agree with you, 100%. It's great to be back in movie theaters with a crowd of people that love being there. Min Tran says, with Black Widow making $80 million opening weekend, is it safe to assume that Wonder Woman 84 would make at least $60 million opening weekend if it opened around this time instead of last Christmas? I don't know, man. I just don't think Wonder Woman 84 was that good. Uh, i think that if it was a better movie it could have it might have i mean who's to say i just don't think Ma- uh, wonder woman <clears throat> especially after the promise of wonder woman the first wonder woman i don't think wonder woman 84 delivered the kind of wonder woman we were expecting or wanting uh but that's just me michael w sends in a tip and says so let's see alexi was david harbour's name in the movie he was in a russian prison broke out of the russian prison and had a daughter is Alexi aka Red Guardian a Hopper variant? I see what you did there. Uh you never know. It is the multiverse of madness after all. Who's to say Red Guardian isn't Hopper? <laughs> Patrack Conway says with the current box office, do you think it's more likely we'll get a Black Widow 2 with Johansson or they do a Winter Guard movie led by Pew Harbor Whites with Johansson returning just as a producer? Ooh, I I think they're going to bring Black Widow back depending on how much it makes. I think they will. We'll see. Who's the skull sends in a tip and says, much is being made in Black Widow about Nat being an Avenger. Bucky has also been called one. What qualifies him to be an Avenger? Just fighting Thanos? In that case, are Wong and Shuri Avengers? What about their respective armies? The Guardians? Howard the Duck? Now, I think you have to have some kind of a connection to the Avengers team. Um, and I think, you know, the Winter Soldier... Uh, Their stint in the Avengers was short, but definitely it meant something. Whereas the Guardians, nah, I I don't think Shuri. Shuri's, I would call them Avengers adjacent. Avengers adjacent. Um, Yeah, so there you go. Um, Ginger Knight says, my opinion, Black Widow is on par with X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, come on. The whole ending felt like the Three Mile Island fight with Deadpool. Even the Taskmaster reveal was kind of like when they sewed Wade's mouth shut. <laughs> oh, I liked it more than that, though. Really? Oh, <laughs> I-, I thought it was better. Because uh, it worked like a Bond movie. Uh, Patrick Conaway says, Dune is yours and Rob's most anticipated movie, but is it-, it is a movie I can't get too excited for, except being a fan of uh, Villeneuve and the cast. I didn't like the trailer and never heard of Dune before you started talking about it. And it sounds a little confusing. Well, Padrak uh, Padrak, it's one of my favorite science fiction stories. Uh, obviously you can, there's a, the first version, uh, it's been made twice before once as a TV miniseries and once as a, once as a not entirely successful movie. So I would suggest, uh, to dig into Dune, read the book. It's not as confusing as you might think. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's definitely worth che- you checking out. I think you're going to like it. James LH sends in a tip and says, Hi, John. I mentioned previously hoping England wins the Euros. Well, we lost on penalties on the day Italy were the better, te- better team. I know you don't watch football, but with your Italian roots, I'm sure you were proud. Oh, and the soldiers from the future didn't show up. <clears throat> yeah, I kept waiting to come down and say that we're fighting a war in the future from th- in 30 years. Uh, congratulations to Italy. I did call it on my own show. I said, uh, I said Italy was going to win, and uh, I like Italy, so I'm glad. I mean, I never like it, like John was saying, that games you win games on penalty kicks. I hate that. But, I mean, it's part of the rules. It's part of the game. But uh, congratulations to Italy. Off Topic sends in a tip and says, No excuse for a bad movie, but having a nine-year-old son who loves Batman, I now appreciate the campiness of Schumacher and the wackiness of Burton so my son can watch a live-action Batman film that isn't super violent. They are to him what Adam West was to us. You know what, off topic, that's a really good point that I don't think we think about enough. I mean, we as growing up with the Batman series in the 60s, I I loved it, but that was one of the things I, I didn't like about Batman forever very much. It was okay, but I hated Batman and Robin for that reason, and you're absolutely right. I think we forget that younger kids can dig those movies, and you know what, if that's where their love of movies begins, then so be it. Uh, who are we to tell a young child that something he likes isn't worth liking? I'm not going to be that guy. And I think you're right. I think that was a really good point to make. Off Topic goes on to say, speaking of bad movies, one thing I liked about Trank's Fantastic Four was the horror vibe, even with the trash bag Dr. Doom. Do you think Mr. Freeze's second life action attempt would work better as a horror character since he's difficult to put on the big screen? I do. Th- I do. I think that the Mr. Freeze is a horror character, a tragic horror character is much better. Uh, I think absolutely. I think that would actually work pretty pretty well. Um, <clears throat> Chuck the Mystery says, Hey John, one of two, I hope Rob is there for this one. Well, look at me. Uh, over the weekend I watched an Academy Award nominated film from 1970 <laughs> called Lovers and Other Strangers. I was looking for more information on the screenwriters of the film and after watching it I saw that Joe Bologna was credited on Tango Shalom. It was a complete coincidence, as I was not aware of this when I decided to watch the film. I love that Rob was working with Oscar nominees on his film. This 1970 film was great also. Have you ever seen it? Well, Chuck, it is true. Uh, Renee Taylor and Joe Bologna, who wrote Lovers and Other Strangers, were in fact nominated for the Best Academy Award for Screenwriting in 1970. I guess it was the 71 Academy Awards. And I did work with both of them. Uh, they have had a huge history on Broadway and in movies. And it was a tremendous honor to work with both of them. And I love that you made that connection. Uh, it was great. Unfortunately, um, oh, Chuck says, uh, I made an error in my message. The name is Joseph Bologna. What an illustrious career the man had. Many films I've seen that I didn't know he was involved with. Thanks again. Yeah, he they, they had tremendous. I mean, that's why for me, Working on Tango Shalom, which is a really low-budget indie movie. It's his last film. He passed away while we were while we we're in the middle of editing it. And uh, just, he was the greatest guy in the world. The greatest guy in the world. And it was such an honor to work with him and Renee. Renee, of course, played Fran Drescher's mom and the nanny. They both have had a huge, huge, long career. And I couldn't be happier working with them. Uh, Calvin Severo Panho sends in a tip and says, One of three, John, recommendation. Young Royals on Netflix is a new Swedish six-episode series about the second kid of Sweden's queen who is forced on a boarding school for the super-rich and royal family kids. The prince fastly falls in love with a scholarship student. And the show is about the prince discovering he's gay and all the ways it will change his life. I won't go further not to spoil it. As a gay man myself, I found the series got some of the best portrayals of key points. ...in the life of a gay kid that age, telling people you're gay or not, family relationships, couples where one is openly gay and the other is not, etc. The show made me see the same story can happen to any kid in any condition. One great point, the two main actors also did the English dub. Well, Calvin, what a great that, uh, oh, he goes on further. Uh, I watched the whole series in one sitting, so it's all a big blob of info in my head. Maybe my message got a bit hard to understand. If so, I'm sorry but it's not every show that makes me feel so many feelings. I love the show, John. Forza Squadra Azura. Uh, well, Calvin, first of all, it's really cool. You know, I think what you just described, it, it's, it's incredibly important. That's true representation. With you as a, as a gay man, if you can watch the portrayal of a, a gay character on screen and it comes off as being authentic, that's what real representation is. And I think that's the best kind of representation. I'm, you know, I've had many gay friends in my life. I still do. I had my first gay friend. I knew he was gay. I think I was 13 and it was never a problem for me. But it's always great to see those kinds of stories. And as long as they're well done and uh, that kind of endorsement coming from you, it means a lot. Definitely want to check that out now. I didn't know about that series at all. Um, let's see. Uh, Hi, John. Anonymous, Intelligent Life. Says, hi, John, with the resounding success of the Mandalorian. Oh, wait. First of all, hold on. Um, uh, This, I missed one. Be the dude, not Lebowski. Be the dude, not Lebowski. Could the person who bought Avengers Tower and Far From Home be Kang, like in the comics, instead of the Fantastic Four and Norman Osborn? Wow. You know what? Kang Enterprises was in the background in Loki Episode 5. Seems like the best way to set up the multiverse Phase 4. Love the show. Keep it up. I like that idea a lot. I like the way you think. I think I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Interesting. Uh, Anonymous Intelligent Life says, Hi, John. With the resounding success of the Mandalorian TV show, I'm wondering how likely you think it is that Disney will make a standalone Mandalorian movie sometime in the future. Personally, I'd like this. How about you? Have a great day. Um, they might. I could absolutely see them making a big-budget Mandalorian movie. 100%. Maybe that's that's the movie that's about the taking back of Mandalore. I, I'd love to see that. Something like that. Uh, P.P. Pants Gang sends in a tip. John, I'm sorry, but Black Widow is the Fast 9 of the MCU. Nat survives explosions and impacts that would kill any normal person. She even walks away unscathed from most of them. The finale is straight up a fast sequence. No hint of believability at all. Uh, you know what? I didn't feel that way as much as you did, but you're not wrong. Uh, it strained credulity. It strained the bounds of verisimilitude. You are not wrong about that, but I still, I did like it a lot more than I like Fast five. Ryan Loner says, it's about time we admit that a lot of the MCU is made up on the fly and we just don't notice because most of the time they're really, really good at it. Give or take the occasional did cap create a new timeline or what situation? Or does anyone actually believe the Infinity Gauntlet in the Asgard vault was always supposed to just be a fake? Well, look, I think there are things that they've had to, you know, rejigger around, play fast and loose with. But I think for the most part, the broad strokes are planned. I think the broad strokes are planned. BK Dan says, John, one of the live viewers wrote in a live chat wondering if I'm East Coast. Yes, I am. As a result, San Diego Comic-Con isn't always feasible. I go to the New York con. My question to you is, have you been to a D&D con like PAX West? I do PAX East. I've never been to a DD and d con. I've never been to a, a like Gen Con or anything like that before. I wouldn't be adverse to going, but um, I don't know. I've never been to one. Uh, J to the E sends in a tip and says, hey, John and Hot Toys Rob. All right. Been a fan since the early AMC days. I was looking at the DC lineup for 2022 and boys stacked would you say it's their biggest year ever and would it be fair to call it make or break for them? Um, I think it is make make or break for them, but they're they're doing pretty good. I think DC's got a huge year. I think everybody's excited about their output, whether it's the new Shazam film, whether it's Black Adam, whether it's uh, Aquaman, whether it's a Suicide Squad. I think that there's just a ton of movies coming out from DC and of course The Flash. Uh, I think it's... it might be a make or break year but I think they've got a lot of stuff coming out I just see it as a make year for everybody I think it's going to be pretty great Casey McNatt sends in a tip and says John I thought one of the funniest moments in Black Widow was when Yelena was making fun of Natasha poses and then at the end she goes and does a superhero landing and tries to shake it off like that never happened laugh out loud I love that I thought it was great I mean it was almost breaking the fourth wall a little bit but a tip of the hat to that I thought it was terrific Tron says, since Black Widow didn't break $100 million opening weekend, which upcoming fil- film will be the first to do it? Snake Eyes, Suicide Squad, Shang-Chi, Venom 2, Bond, Dune, Eternals, Top Gun 2, or Spider-Man 3? In my opinion, either Shang-Chi or Venom have the best shot. I, I You know what? I think maybe Shang-Chi or Venom, but I, I wouldn't count out Suicide Squad and especially Bond. I think Bond, Bond could be big. Um, but you're right. And Top Gun 2. I don't think you can count Top Gun two out. I think Top Gun two is going to be huge. A man nicknamed Pooh Bear sends in a tip and says, "Happy Monday, Geo and Rob. Will. happy Monday to you. It actually is Monday. Today is the 30th anniversary of the release of Boys in the Hood. Wow, a seminal moment in cinema. To me, the greatest hood movie. But to make it special was all the. Uh, but to make it special was all the messages still going on today. What are your thoughts? R.I.P. John Singleton. I knew John Singleton a little bit. Uh, I met him when I was at USC, and, and knew him throughout the years. Um, I really liked Boys in the Hood when it came out, and I thought, um, you know, there's a really interesting uh, article, or I, it's a YouTube video where, where Ice Cube's talking about how he got his role in the movie, and I, I, um, I think it's a great film. And it still works, and I think the message is still relevant. So I didn't realize it's been, God, 30 years ago today. That's crazy. Um, but a good movie, and it still resonates today. RIP John Singleton. I really like John. Andreas sends in a tip and says, Hey, John and is watching your Black Widow spoiler talk and can't comprehend how people are comparing Toretto and Natasha. One is a trained assassin since childhood, and the other a freaking mechanic. Laugh out loud. I also just bought my first pack of Zevia. Sponsor him, USOBs. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I, I wouldn't compare Toretto. To, to, Toretto is not like Natasha. I think you're absolutely right there. Not at all. And uh, yeah, ZVS, sponsor Campia. Gnome sends in a tip and says, Hi, John and Rob. Great to see the success of Black Widow in the box office all over the world, especially in the cursed 2020s. Or after the cursed 2020s, I'm sorry. A few months ago in Israel, the cinemas reopened and I think I've been in two movies every week, laugh out loud. Good to be back. Cheers, well, yeah. How's it doing over there? Is uh, are, are things on the uptick in uh, in Israel? Um, but I'm glad you got to go see the movies there. And I went to a, a movie theater in Tel Aviv. I forget the name of it, but uh, I liked it. I, they have good theater, good theaters. Dan B says hi, John. Since theaters reopened in the UK, I've been going to the movies a lot, and I've noticed an increase in people showing up very, very late for a movie. This is not people simply skipping trailers. Understandable. I regularly see people arriving disruptively 30 minutes into a movie. 45 minutes in one case. Those people deserve to not be there. Having lived all over the UK, it's something I noticed particularly in London. Curious if this vexes anyone else. Your thoughts on theater etiquette in general. Love the show. Thanks. Dan, I hate it when people come in really late to movies. That's why my beloved Arclight Theater chain, they didn't allow that. And uh, I think it's really rude. How rude. It's very rude. I can't stand it. It disrupts the experience. I like when a movie starts to start. I don't like to be disrupted in that way. And I think people are idiots who do that. And why do you want to miss? Why, why have you paid money to see a movie? I mean, normally back, back in the old days, you could stay and watch the rest of it. But why would you want to? Uh, uh, Nathaniel Molnar says, thanks for turning me on to pitch meeting. I've been binging them. They're hilarious. Ryan George's comic timing is tight. More fans need to, more movie fans need to watch these because they're so well written, thought out, and performed. For those of you who don't know what Nathaniel's talking about, the pitch meeting videos on YouTube—they'll give you, they'll pick a movie and they'll do what the pitch meeting is, and it's hilarious, and I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, Ahmed Z sends in five dollars and says, "Hi, John. I really enjoyed *The Tomorrow War*. It had a real imprint on me, and I found it excellent. And I agree with you; it could have been even better." Ha ha ha, but happy nonetheless. I wonder what the sequel to The Tomorrow War will be about. Your thoughts? Um, my only thing about The Tomorrow War is maybe wherever those aliens came from, or that alien species, that ship, the ship that crashed, somehow they were alerted to the presence and they come to Earth. Or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. But we'll see. I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. It was fun. Mark Andrews says, hey, John Robb, I got to see Black Widow over the weekend and really enjoyed it. How would you feel about the humor in the movie? I liked it. I felt most jokes fell flat and the hysterectomy joke was just cringe. Yeah, I can't argue with you there. But I I thought some of the humor was good. I mean, you know, they were kind of that ribbing family humor. I liked it. I liked it. Um, But yeah. Uh, Justin... Fair scene says, hi, John. I was looking to revisit one of my favorite childhood films, the Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Western comedy partners. It never made it to Blu-ray was available, but it was available on voodoo. What format streaming digital or disc is best for film preservation. Ooh, that's a good, well, actually uh, streaming digital and disc are not good for film preservation. Film preservation can only happen. I think they can do what are called color separations on three strips of celluloid. That's the best way to preserve films. Uh, digital streaming and disc disc, maybe will stick around for a while, but, uh, those are impermanent formats. Whereas you've got to, that's what I think is a problem with a lot of modern movies. They have to do these separations that are very expensive and turn them into actual celluloid that they can store and save. Cause in 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years, where are we going to be in terms of digital? Are we ever going to be able to play discs or stream in the current format? I don't know. Anonymous says, I saw Black Widow. Movie did feel odd spliced in a sense. Do you think scenes were changed to fit the continuity of the MCU? Red Guardian stole the show. That could actually be, that could be a possibility. I'm not sure. Not sure. Uh, Joey sends in a tip and says, You have said that the sample size of Disney Plus Premier Access is too small to know if it's successful or not. I was curious how many attempts or wins does Disney have to have with Premier Access before they decide it's working? I think one. You know, but they need, to, they need to duplicate that success. We talked about that on the show today. I think, you know, if they their next big movies, they've got Shang-Chi coming out in September, then Eternals in November. So I think that'll be a pretty good litmus test. Now, I know that John said that they're not planning on going out with Premiere Access right away, but they might, they might change those plans. I'm not sure. Um, but I think they have to see it happen consistently. Three or four times, I think, would be a good number for them. My comic, my comic Planet says, John, I totally agree with your assessment of the recent Marvel movies and shows. I also have liked all of them, but so far nothing has reached the level of Endgame, Civil War, and other previous Marvel offerings. Do you think maybe they should slow down and try and focus more on quality over quantity? I had some non-comic fans or friends watch the Marvel shows with me, and most of them said they don't plan to watch any more anytime soon, which is very telling. I think Marvel will have to address this. Well, I think, yeah, I think the Marvel movies and the shows, they're getting so far up their own continuity that they might be alienating new viewers. And I think you might be right. And, uh, you know, quality, for the most part, though, the Marvel movies have had great quality. I mean, the last two, aside from Black Widow, we've seen, uh, obviously, were Spider-Man Far From Home and Endgame, and they are pretty sp- stellar. But you might be right. I mean, are we getting to Marvel fatigue? We've now had 24 movies. And for the most part, I think the quality's been pretty good. Um, but we'll see, you know. I don't know, I think What If is the next show, then after that, I think it's Hawkeye, isn't it? Um, well, we'll see where that all winds up. But I hope they make it more accessible to new, new viewers. Brian says, Hey John, I know you're not a big fan of Loki and Sylvie together. I agree, it feels kind of icky to me, but do you feel the same way about Miles and Gwen from Into the Spider-Verse? I feel like it's exactly the same, but I don't know, it doesn't bother me as much. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I See, the Sylvie thing doesn't bother me because she's not at all... She's a totally different entity. It's almost like Loki is a part they're playing. But but they're from different universes. Just because they both were that way in the universe, um, you know, I don't think you can... Um, they're not the same. At least I don't feel that way. Paul L. says... The metaphor with Loki falling in love with a feminine version of himself is a metaphor about balancing of the masculine and the feminine within ourselves. We cannot be complete beings when we are in conflict with ourselves. Mary Poppins is the same metaphor. She's the balance of both the masculine and the feminine. She shows the father who is masculine dominant to be more in touch with his feminine and the opposite with the mother. Ooh, I think that's a really astute observation. Um uh, but I don't I, I just I don't see Loki as uh, Loki and Sylvie are very different entities. I mean, they're both Lokis, yes, but it's not like Loki is looking at a mirror image of himself. It's a different creature, different entity. Uh, The Wakandans Forever sends in a tip and says, Wakandans, mandatory viewing. Summer of Soul, John, I'm going to say this because it is the truth. This is the best music documentary I've ever seen. It will shake you to your core. Now, Summer of Soul is a documentary about a music festival back in the late 60s, The alternative Woodstock that Quest Love from the Roots directed. It's the best music documentary I've ever seen. It will shake you to your core. Everyone find a theater that is showing this movie and see this film. will con in forever. I can't wait to see this movie. I'm dying to see it. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Uh, Jeff S. sends in a tip and says, What do you think the first film will be to break the 100 million post-pandemic mark? I don't think we'll see it until no time to die. I think Shang-Chi will do 80 to 90 million. Your thoughts? I think you might be right about that. Uh, it depends how good these movies are. You know, if Shang Chi blows everybody away, and it gets word of mouth, it could break 100 million. But I think No Time to Die—that's a pretty good bet. No Time to Die is going to do that. I do, I do agree with you. Uh, Heffy Master sends in a tip and says the only reason I watched Black Widow on Disney Plus Premium was because. I just had my second jab, and I'm waiting the 14 days to be fully covered. Good for you. I really wanted to see it. No movie, MCU, or otherwise would make me pay premium access prices for any other reason. Well, you know, I, I think premium access, if you have a big family, it makes sense. But you're right. It's expensive. And you're, you're good. Good on you for waiting that, that amount of time. That was a good thing. That was the proper thing to do. Uh, Rated row says hi john i wanted my first experience to the movies to be fast nine because i love the franchise han was back and they added john freaking cena because i'm a wrestling fan all i have to say in regards to this film is f9 f you i know Rated row i felt the same way it was just not good i i really it really bothered me i'm sorry that was your first it was my second experience back and i wanted it to be better and it's not well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gentle beings, kind souls, all of you out there, all of you members of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for taking this time with me to let me answer your questions. I'm sorry about those MMA questions I didn't answer as well as you might have hoped, but still, thanks for watching. I really appreciate you letting me share this time with you, and I want to thank John Campia for allowing me the opportunity to do so. So you can always find me on social media, on Twitter at BurnettRM, on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett, or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and my show, Rob Observations: the show about something. Once again, I'm Robert Meyer Burnett for The John Campia Show, and remember, bring on the filthy, always.